don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. All right, welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. Um, I got a really fun one today. Uh, this one is uh, more kind of the economic implications and um, kind of a new perspective on what Bitcoin, blockchain, crypto, all this stuff, like what is it actually changing? Because I think it's still so murky. There's clearly so much value and um, independence being created with these protocols but there's still not a clear direction. We're still just kind of sh throwing everything to the wind and seeing what catches. And while I actually philosophically disagree with uh, some of the basis of his argument, it's this one's written by Mike Maples Jr. Uh, and it's just posted on his Medium page. Um, so like I said, I, I disagree philosophically with some of his um, underlying assumptions, but at the same time, I cannot dismiss how rational his argument is, and it's a really interesting perspective. So we'll go ahead and jump into this one, and then we'll discuss it a little bit afterward. All right, so this one is titled Crypto Commons, and it's by Mike Maples Jr. Many crypto enthusiasts are looking at blockchains as a way to correct the sins of the past. Government overreach, lack of sound money, expensive middlemen, centralized businesses, etc. The truly important question should be way bigger than this. How can crypto-powered businesses create new types of abundance? How will blockchains drive our standard of living forward exponentially? How will we see the creation of tens of trillions in new value like we did with the stock market in the last 150 years? The answer lies in how crypto can transform the tragedy of the commons into the wealth of the commons. There are many types of businesses. Throughout history, there have been many types of businesses. In ancient times, people used barter. In medieval times, we had feudalism, later mercantilism, then free market trading along the lines of Adam Smith's invisible hand, later augmented by the visible hand of the modern corporation. As long as we discover new ways to create value, new types of businesses will emerge. In today's world, there are four major types of businesses, a sole proprietorship, a partnership, a limited liability company, or a corporation. Almost all big companies today are corporations, consisting of a board of directors, shareholders, managers, and employees. Startups take this form as well, since they want to be the big companies of tomorrow. Large corporations are relatively new. Because we have large corporations all around us, it's easy to assume businesses have always looked this way. But in 1800, almost every business was a sole proprietorship. Then the railroad and the steam engine created a massive change event. 
the opportunity to span the country with a transcontinental railroad turned out to be a catalyst for large corporations that would bring enormous abundance to the world through mass production and mass distribution. Nobody had the money to fund big railroads on their own, so J.P. Morgan convinced people, mostly in Europe, to buy fractional ownership units called shares of stock to raise enormous sums of money. By pooling the resources of a lot of shareholders, large railroads became possible to fund. A share of stock was a new way to invest in the future profits of a large-scale corporation. Would you have wanted stock in a railroad? Investing in stocks is obvious today, but imagine you were a blacksmith or a fur trader in 1870 and someone offers a share of stock in a railroad. It wasn't valuable like money because you couldn't go to the store and buy things with it. And you couldn't say to a train conductor, I want to use my share of stock to take a ride on this train. Imagine you're a British aristocrat in 1870 and your primary assets are in European land. Do you invest some of your old money wealth into the new world stock markets in search of better growth prospects? Land is tangible and known. Stock in a railroad is a walk on the wild side. Do you feel lucky? Suppose you run a railroad. How do you organize it? How would you represent the interests of the shareholders since the CEO of the company is not the sole proprietor? The governance of corporations had to evolve through vision as well as trial and error. A board of directors elected by the shareholders, a CEO chosen by the board, and the rest of the organization reporting to the CEO. This structure was not obvious to people at the time. It was an emergent development. If you find crypto capitalism dynamic and confusing, you can get a sense for the confusion these founders and investors had to navigate. Scalable corporations created massive abundance. Despite this initial uncertainty, the stock market created massive value for humanity. After taking the railroads public, J.P. Morgan proceeded to help organize U.S. Steel, General Electric, and many other companies. GDP per capita increased 14-fold in real terms from 1800 to 2000. We often underestimate what a miracle the last 200 years have been for our standard of living. Begin chart. And here we have a GDP per capita, this worldwide GDP per capita, um, on a chart that spans 2,000 years. And uh, on the vertical is from about zero to $6,000 per person. And uh, you can see basically it demonstrates that up until the 1800s, the growth was so small in comparison to what we're used to today that it was practically non-existent. I think it appears to be maybe just a few hundred dollars around 1800. And with the birth of stocks and railroad IPOs, which is marked on the calendar, um, the, the chart just goes parabolic and the growth is absolutely incomparable to everything up to that point. End chart. Blockchains and crypto businesses can drive the standard of living forward even faster by creating a new type of abundance centered around the wealth of the commons. But we have to think bigger beyond traditional corporate structures. 
we need 21st century J.P. Morgans, Rockefellers, and Carnegies. What is a commons? The notion of a commons is not new. Centuries ago, farmers in England used common land for their livestock. The land was shared rather than centrally owned, and members of the commons had to follow a set of rules and etiquette. Some might even say a protocol to continue to participate. In some cases, a commons can create value more efficiently than free market ownership or government-enforced regulation. Open source software is a compelling recent example. Why hasn't the commons succeeded in producing abundance at scale? It turns out that the commons is difficult to scale and prone to abuse. The Tragedy of the Commons was coined by Garrett Hardin in 1968 as a critique of the commons. It describes how individuals acting independently according to their self-interest can accidentally destroy a shared resource. A real-world example is the Grand Banks fisheries off the coast of Newfoundland, Canada. For centuries, explorers and fishermen marveled at this region's endless supply of codfish. In the 1960s and 70s, fishing technology improved and allowed much larger catches. By the 1990s, cod populations were so depleted that the Grand Banks fisheries failed. It was too late for traditional governance in the form of regulation or private markets. The cod stocks were damaged irreparably. How do we avoid the tragedy of the commons? Conventional wisdom offers two ways. You can use the force of government regulation to govern how many fish to catch. The government has the power to enforce the law by fining you or even putting you in jail if you refuse to comply. Or private property rights allow a business owner to charge a market clearing price to prevent abuse of the limited resources. Enter Eleanor Ostrom. Eleanor Ostrom saw something different. She proposed that a commons can create value if a set of rules are consistently applied and respected by all of its members. She compiled eight specific rules for managing the commons. Her examples focused on small groups, and her ideas were groundbreaking, winning her the Nobel Prize in Economics in 2009. Check this out if you would like to learn more. Quote, there is no reason to believe that bureaucrats and politicians, no matter how well-meaning, are better at solving problems than the people on the spot, who have the strongest incentive to get the solution right." End quote. Eleanor Ostrom Although her ideas are trailblazing, it was hard to see how they could scale beyond niches where people knew each other face-to-face. You might avoid abuse of shared resources, but people had to know each other to make the rules enforceable and to hold people accountable. What could work in an informal and small fishing village would not work at the scale of a large corporation or nation-state. Crypto creates a scalable governance model for the commons. Keep in mind that what makes the commons fail is a lack of scalable governance because there is no centralized control by a corporation or a government. Instead, you are limited to informal relationships among people who know each other. One of the biggest value propositions of crypto 
is scalable governance without informal localized trust. This could be a big idea just like a scalable stock market was a huge breakthrough 150 years ago. Blockchains create governance markets. In its simplest form, a market is a medium that allows buyers and sellers of a specific good or service to interact to facilitate an exchange. Stock markets create a market for buyers and sellers to exchange shares of stock. We needed a stock market to allow companies to sell ownership stakes for money that they would use to build large-scale corporations. In the case of crypto, Satoshi's white paper shows how to leverage mass computation and connectivity to create governance markets. Governance markets allow the commons to scale and create abundance in the same way that the stock markets enabled corporations to scale. Governance markets? Why would people want to buy and sell governance? Blockchains facilitate precisely this. They create the first medium for people to be rewarded for enforcing decentralized governance at scale. Whether we're talking about Bitcoin, Ethereum, or any blockchain ecosystem, the big idea is the same. Governance markets reward those who contribute to consensus. A market is created to award coins to those who enforce the governance rules of the protocol. Governance markets will enable the commons to scale like the stock market enabled corporations to scale. Without a governance market for a commons, you will see a tragedy of the commons or the rule of the mob when you try to scale. But if you have scalable decentralized governance at the core, you now have a new platform to fuel new businesses that create massive abundance in ways never before possible. Just like a stock market was a financial platform for creating the scalable corporation, blockchains can be governance platforms for enabling the scalable commons. In the not-too-distant future, a new form of networked governance will allow new types of value creation with crypto assets rather than shares of stock, contributors rather than employees, and decentralized collaboration rather than centralized ownership. What would JP Morgan do? This is why people are missing the point when they talk about the businesses that crypto will, quote, disrupt or disintermediate. The better question is what would JP Morgan do if he were alive today? What would Rockefeller, Carnegie, and Edison do? Quote, Go as far as you can see. When you get there, you'll be able to see farther. End quote. JP Morgan. Cornelius Vanderbilt did not say, quote, I want to replace the stagecoach, end quote. Thomas Edison didn't say, death to kerosene and whale oil lamps. Henry Ford didn't say, no more horses and carriages. The stock market was a new thing that helped entrepreneurs create new businesses that advanced the standard of living. Abundance happened because ambitious people were looking forward and trying to make new things that were exponentially better. 150 years after the first railroad IPOs, the U.S. stock market alone is worth more than $30 trillion. The next $30 trillion in abundance? Prediction. Crypto-powered governance markets 
will solve the tragedy of the commons and drive future abundance at the same level of scale as the stock market and the corporation. In a pervasively connected world, it will be more global and democratized than what we have seen before. Whether you are in Silicon Valley or Zimbabwe, Shanghai or Caracas, harnessing this new power is one of the most important duties for those who want to build an abundant future. Again, that one was by Mark Maples Jr. entitled Crypto Commons. Now, I thought this was a really cool perspective in uh, uh, kind of in treating the commons as a different, uh, a different tool, essentially, than both government and private property. Now, I, t I tend to fundamentally disagree with that. What, I'm, what I actually see is this is actually being able to scalably apply the private property incentives onto the commons. And I don't really consider... I don't, I don't fundamentally or philosophically separate the two. I just see it as a granularized way to divide up the ownership. So whereas it's hard to uh, judge or govern 100 people owning an uh, item together, this actually changes the game in accomplishing that. And that's why I have not totally dismissed proof of stake, but I don't... It's also why I do lean away from it as a decentralized money, but and maybe this is a better way to describe it, is that it's a ownership of the commons uh, in the context of the proof of stake. But, it, it, but regardless, if you're looking at a proof of stake, you're still looking at an ownership model, and certain people will have a greater authority in this versus others, and uh, much of what, in, unless this ends up becoming something where open source projects tokenize just to fund the underlying uh, productive goal, like what they're trying to build, whether it be a network, a business, a um, uh, kind of an amorphous organization or institution that crosses or spans any individual owner or group of people. Because that's one thing that I've, I've wondered is that we see these trends in, uh, in business and corporations where some of the larger um, companies are becoming much more adaptive and less rigid in both their hierarchy and in the roles of the employees. They're noticing like, like uh, Google has the, uh, the famous 80-20 rule where 80% of your time is done doing the work that, you know, we are that our company is directed at doing and then 20 percent of the time you do whatever you want you can play video games you can work on your own project but anything that you work on you know submit to us let us assess it let's look at it and see if it's something real to build together and in that in that 20 percent time where the employees are given freedom 80 percent of their successful products are built so um that's a really interesting we're seeing it more and more that being adaptive is critical to being a successful business, um, particularly in Silicon Valley and with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. If these end up being some sort of a way to uh, create a governance model and an institution around a, a joint set of rules, like around a consensus uh, protocol, 
it'll be really interesting to see how those adapt because you're looking at a open source software project that essentially can fund itself through adoption and people can freely join or leave the project without there's no there's no contractual obligation the contract is in you know buying the token itself um and again i'm not i'm not totally sold on this idea i i think it's a little bit more um out there than i i tend to go and i think probably the simpler um more practical applications of this are the more realistic but i really like this perspective and it's fun to explore so with that, uh, I don't want to go too much more into this, um, but I thought this was a really good one. Uh, if you have any comments or uh, thoughts on it, um, I'll be posting this on the R Crypto Economy subreddit, which I've been a little bit uh, lax on keeping up with. And of course, you can post on Twitter as well uh, if you have any like specific things that you disagreed with or thought were really good in this article. And again, check out... Um, uh, Mike Maples Jr. I'll be sure to tag him and link to his Medium page in the post. And uh, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at the Crypto Economy and Medium as well. And of course, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and share it with all of your friends so that they too can hear all the coolest shit going on in the crypto economy. And if you would like to support the show, of course, I will have my Bitcoin donation address. Um, uh, available on the podcast episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for the uh, uh, recent donations, and I will catch you tomorrow. This has been the Crypto Economy Podcast. Take it easy, guys.